Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mountain West Wire basketball preview podcast as we... um we're making our way. This will be a, a, like we say, a rush of a few in a row because we've had new changes. We, that's Eli Betker, who will say hello in just a second. I'm Jeremy Moss. And if you type in on your computer, mwwire.com, you'll see something new. Right? Correct? You'll see you'll see our new logo. You'll see some purple font, which is a nice touch. Uh, I, I'm liking the outlet. I think it's a good look for yes. us. We uh, by the time you hear this, maybe you've seen or read about what's what we've been up to. Um, nothing changed really, except uh, if you had our same URLs before, it's still there. It just takes you. We're no longer. We're still hooked up with USA Today and everything. We're just not uh, lumped with collegefootballnews.com because doing basketball stuff on a site named College Football News, it's a little awkward sometimes, right? It is, especially when I was uh, news. putting out some, re- yeah, putting out some reports about the San Jose State head coaching stuff, and people were like, "What? This is collegefootballnews.com. What's what's this basketball news?" So, it's nice for me, and it's nice for all of us to be in one nice spot, and we're excited to see what goes from here. We are, and we have all of our stuff set up here, so it's just like before, what we've done before. It's just easier to find, and then also one cool thing too. We you may hear this introduction a few times. But basically now you can, if you want to subscribe to our football stuff, you can do that. Just uh, basketball. Or if you want to um, go to just Nevada, well, we'll stick with San Jose State, I guess, since we're talking Spartans. I will guarantee you this. We have a San Jose State page, so you can subscribe to all that stuff. However, I will say we have, we'll have more San Jose State coverage than um, any newspaper in the Bay Area. Is that is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, but it. It's yeah. It's not saying much. But, hey, don't uh, don't downplay we'll do, that. It, <laughs> do not downplay <laughs> that one bit. Uh, uh, okay, uh, it's not saying much on uh, the uh, the Bay Area's end, but but we're doing just fine, and we'll continue to push content out for all of the teams as we do. We are yes, we have um, a couple of people. Anna goes to every football game. She's moving unfortunately, so she won't be at basketball games, but she'll still be doing. Some hoop stuff for us uh, from time to time on the Spartan side. We have Ryan doing stuff. You'll do stuff. I'll do stuff occasionally for Spartans. So we'll have stuff on there. And let's just get to it. Um, San Jose State, um, I guess, like, well, maybe this is take two, so maybe I didn't mention it, but this is the year what could have been because last year, geez, they were um, the biggest surprise in the conference last year with Dave Wojcik, but now he uh, stepped down due to, was it a, well, family reasons to go back to the East Coast, correct? With mother being ill, I believe it was. Yeah, he uh, he lost his father in February, so that was especially difficult for him. And there are some there there are good pieces on him. Obviously, it's a somber tone of what went down, but uh, that had an impact on him and his team. And I believe his mother had some health issues, and uh, his son's from the East Coast as well. So that was a number of complications that. Uh, we're going on with him, so he decided to hang it up in mid-July, which was a surprise to the whole conference because this was a program that seemed to be trending upwards after a number of years towards the bottom of the conference, and I was excited about them, and, and you were curious about what was going to happen in these next few years, and 
Uh, it's too bad, but it'll be a new era for San Jose State basketball beginning in, in just a week from now. And they have the new head coach, who's the uh, for, now former Colorado assistant coach. And let's just get to that. That coaching search, it was pretty um, unique, safe to say. Because you know people, who, and we know other people who we chat with, all signs at one point thought it'd be, um, oh, shoot. Um, we, we had, Trent we had uh, yeah, we did uh, have Trent Johnson on there. Trent and, Johnson. Um, I, I tried to mix up Nolan Richardson and Trent Johnson <laughs> to make something else up. <laughs> it's a good thing that uh, Trent Richardson wasn't in the head coaching search because, uh, yeah. yeah, that wouldn't be good. Uh, <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. um, but we had we had David Patrick. A number of people had told me, and, and we were <laughs> we were up like one or one thirty that night uh, working on that post about David Patrick, who is a TCU assistant coach. He still is. Who was um, one of the final three candidates for the San Jose State head coaching job. And I was excited about that because he has some excellent recruiting ties that go to Australia. He's gotten Matthew Del Vadova to St. Mary's when he was there and Ben Simmons, who is a number one pick with LSU. So he had some awesome ties, but it ended up being Jean Prelo, which was a surprise to both of us. As, as Yeah, I mean, it's seemingly everyone because San Jose State, for whatever reason, and I guess applaud them if, if they desired that, but they kept this head coaching search really quiet. And I think with uh, Prelo getting his first D1 head coaching job, that was probably his desire. Um, just you, you want to – yeah. You can't be picky when it's your first D1 job essentially. Yeah, that, yeah. You can't turn that down. That is true. And I, I think it's a good situation for him um, to be in San Jose State, and he has some great assistant coaching experience, and I really like what he brings to the table for, for San Jose State. And – Although it would have been nice to see what Dave Wojcik could have done with this full roster, it's a uh, uh, time for the Prelo era in San Jose, and we'll see what he's able to do. So, what was the most interesting name? The coaching search. The most interesting name. There, I mean, there was that guy from Southern Connecticut or something. Wasn't that one of the coaches? Yeah, there, there was. Um, that was a bizarre one. I'm trying to sift through my my tweets real quick to see who it was but so was i but it was like a d2 coach i'm like never been out west i forget his name but it was like was it, it wasn't connecticut college was it like southern connecticut or something it, it was like southern connecticut or central connecticut state or something but it was a d2 program so and was really bizarre um and there were a number of coaches that were mentioned early on and i i made a quick list of coaches that could be mentioned and um not a number not many of them were actually uh, in the running in the end, but um, you had Mike Davis from Texas Southern who was potentially interested at the beginning, which was which was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. He got to a Final Four with Indiana, um, but for a, for an August head coaching search, I think San Jose State did pretty well. Yeah, and we look at what Prelude's done. Like he's with the resurgence of Colorado basketball because they've been not great. They, okay, I could say they've been pretty bad. But like he helped them go to a couple NCAA tournaments for the first time, actually competitive in their move to the Pac-12. And they've had a couple of guys guard, like Alec Burks, first on draft pick in 2011, with Utah Jazz right now, I believe, still at the moment. And like, like you meant, and no, no, that was the other guy. Sorry, um, Spencer. Or was it Spencer Dinwiddle? Is that a guy too who's with the Colorado? I believe Spencer Dinwiddie. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dinwiddie. Sorry, but like he he got guys to the NBA was part of that. He's helped Colorado be pretty good in the Pac-12. Go to the NCAA tournament in what? Here we go. Tw- four out of five years from 2012, 2016. NIT. 
um, in two years, in, in two years, 11, 17, basically helped them go to the tournament, a tournament every year since 2010 or 2011, but specifically those NCAA tournament drought ended and he knows how to do well and he's out West. That's one of the main things too. If you're going to, and then if you're in California, man, it's, you got, you could trip over and find talent. Yeah. That, that's... It may be the fourth or fifth choice, but there's going to be players there who may not be good enough to go to even Stanford, which different side academics, but like, you tell me they can't get same guys that want to go to Cal, maybe because Cal's not very good. That, that's true. Uh, there, there's a ton of talent in California, as we know, and I think it's good for San Jose State to be able to land a coach who has so much experience at the power conference level. And he's for the last 17 years he's been at uh, been with teams that are now now in power conferences. He was at Wichita State, Marquette, Iowa State, TCU, Colorado. So. He's coached at the highest level as you can besides actually being the head coach, so that works for San Jose State's favor. And uh, in terms of recruiting, he said that they definitely want to hammer home the California. They want to be in the their own home state for much of their recruiting, but they're definitely not afraid to extend their boundaries and see where talent resides elsewhere, so that'll help San Jose State. All right, so the next um, biggest loss is Brandon Clark because – if we look at last year, like he was—he's not just the best player on the team. He was one of the best players in the conference last year, and he was always a guy who could score points. He's going to lead them to victory. And last year, look at the like some of the wins they have. Like they were—we always mention all these shows. Like home courts, pretty important. Road games are hard to come by in this conference, and they were doing quite well last year. They were beating teams nobody thought they'd beat, and we kind of thought, or maybe it's just me, I thought Dave Wojcik had a decent chance for like coach of the year at some point. Not near the end after kind of what Musselman did. But he had some pretty good victories. Like who they're playing and who they're beating with last year. Nobody expected them to be even middle of the pack, really. And they were, had they kept Brandon Clark intact and maybe even Wojcik, they could have been a team that would, I think you, didn't you mention possibly top half if they had ever had those guys back? I put out some early, early, early power rankings in probably mid-April for the Mountain West Conference. And I believe I had San Jose State 6th. And I mean, right now that sounds it, it, it doesn't sound realistic, and, and no. it's not. But at the time, people were, were kind of agreeing with that, and uh, a lot of people were interested to see what the Spartans would do this year. And like you said, Brandon Clark probably would have been our unanimous number one player heading into the season. I'm, I just stumbled upon. You think the, what, you think he would have been? You think he'd have been the best player in the conference? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Ooh. He. I'm just uh, stumbling upon this stat that I put out in August. Brandon Clark. Uh, was only the 19th player in college basketball history to ever average 17 points, eight rebounds, two assists, and two pl- blocks per game, uh, which he did last season. So mm. the guy's phenomenal, and he's going to redshirt this year. Now he's a member of Gonzaga. He'll be under Mark Few. He'll have two years left of eligibility with the Bulldogs, and uh, I'd I'd be surprised if he doesn't win WCC Player of the Year because I think he's he's so special and under the guidance of. A legendary coach like Mark Few, I think he's going to do special things, but uh, that, that's only salt in the wound for SGSU fans because I think it could have been a really special year for this program had these pieces still been intact. It could have been like with Fresno Montel Harris. Like they may not have been the best team, but they had a guy who could any day go off for twenty-five plus or be so versatile to get a victory. Because that year with them, didn't they make it to the championship game and lose it? Or no, they won that year, didn't they? When they went to the tournament, and lost to Utah. I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. So that I think that I think that would have been somewhat of a possibility. Like they, they wouldn't have been the top 
two, three, or four teams, like top half, but have one player who could any given night do that and get you a big name, big game. But since he's gone, who's 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 next guy up to maybe um, get somewhere near that category of his uh, productivity? I think it's going to have to be Ryan Waylage. Uh, he averaged 13 points per game last season, which uh, makes him the top returning scorer for this team. And he's been excellent his two underclassmen seasons. He's averaged double-digit points per game in, in both of his uh, underclassmen seasons and averaging less than 30 minutes per game, so he's obviously efficient. He does pretty well from the field. He can pull out and shoot threes, and that's especially nice given his uh, pretty significant frame at 6'9", 190, so that helps. But... Um, Besides that, the the roster is pretty thin. They have Ashton Chastain, who should be able to step up. He's done really well in the center spot in their scrimmages and exhibitions. I think he led the team in scoring in their exhibition the other night, so he's one to look out for. And Jalen James is their top guard. He will get a couple assists per game. But it's it's we can't put into words how big of a loss Brandon Clark is because he probably could have averaged twenty and ten this year. Um, so it's going to be tough, and they got, they've got some holes to fill. Terrell Brown, who had a nice freshman season, he averaged seven a night. Last year he got kicked off for the team after being arrested, so that's another loss for them. Uh, but we'll, we'll see some new... What, what about J, What about J.C. Hillsman? Yeah, Hill, Hillsman's solid. He's played pretty well in exhibition games, and he'll definitely get some looks now that he's an upperclassman guard. Um, so he's, he's definitely one to look out for as well. And Omar Berry is a, is a JUCO transfer he spent... A uh, few games with DePaul before going back to the JUCO level. He he should make a bit of an impact this year as well. So uh, they've got some interesting pieces. They're obviously not going to compete this season, probably the season after. But I think what's most important for Jean Prelo right now is if he can find um, some diamonds in the rough. Maybe it's Nye Carlisle who plays well this season, or Caleb Simmons is a three star who committed a few months ago. If he can. If he can find some of these players who step up and do well in the roles, I think that will help San Jose State moving forward. Here's a quick note real quick, because they've played one scrimmage at the moment, or preseason game they played a Dominican. So I, the reason I want to mention a Hillsman, Hillsman, because he had 16 points in 15 minutes. Wow. So And so it's pretty efficient. Like it's, it's, you're playing this team, everybody's minutes are split apart. So I was kind of just perusing that a little bit and – Everybody played, but he's played in. I'm wondering if he could be the breakout guy, perhaps, because he played. He's played in every game his first two years. He started over half the games last year, and I know it's an exhibition game, but he was whatever you take the numbers. He was efficient, five of six, one three pointer, a couple free throws, sixteen points in fifteen minutes. I don't care who you playing. That's a obviously more than a point a minute, and so maybe he could be some. I'm not obviously not going to be that great against everybody else, but that's. That's something positive, I guess. I don't know. That's um, something you want to see. Yeah, and if of, you can do that, because nobody else did, was even close to that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of, like I'm just pointing a minute. That's whatever, crazy. Of of return of key returning players or significant uh, returning players that played, I don't know, more than 13, 14 minutes per game last year. He has the highest field goal percentage of any of them, and that even includes Ryan Waylage. So Hillsman connected on forty six percent of his field goals last year, and Waylage was thirty two or sorry forty three and most of the other players were below 40, which is not great, but um, that's that's good for Hillsman, and maybe he's that player that can step up. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what Ashton Chastain does this this season because he's done uh, pretty well the last couple months, and I've heard a couple good things about him. So 
he only played 2.9 minutes per game this year, but he's uh, or, sorry last season, but he's gotten some looks in the exhibitions and scrimmages. So uh, they've they've got some decent pieces in there, and like I said, they're not ready to compete, but if they can find some talent along the way, that'll help them for sure. All right, so are you surprised they were not picked last by the media or the because I went to Air Force? It was close, but the media picked them tenth out of eleven. Is that too high? <laughs> is that where they should be? I, I think that's where they should be, and that's where that's where I've had them since they've lost Clark. And I don't think I mean, we talk so highly about Clark, but I don't think he's enough to drop this team four or five spots. And you also have to add in the fact that they lost Wojcik, but they did well with their coaching hire and. I mean, besides losing Clark, who's a great player, they returned the majority of last year's roster. So at the very least, they have some continuity and they have some chemistry that will help them usher in the uh, Jane Prolo era, so that helps out. But I think if you match up San Jose State and Air Force, this team still has more athleticism and, and more overall talent than Air Force does. And they have a relative go-to scorer in Ryan Waylage, who... I mean, he's he's not that big, but even he is is larger than almost every player on Air Force. So this team has more size than Air Force. Okay, so where would you? We'll get to our schedule in a minute, but so what would like surprise you? Like we know we've talked about how conference is pretty. There's kind of a couple of tiers. You got Nevada is I think they're sort of by themselves more than anybody else. Said maybe San Diego State and Boise are close, but like we said, two through probably seven's tough, and even Utah State is predicted eighth. Have have players on that team who can make make a run and maybe something could happen. And I think at the bottom there it's really New Mexico, San Jose State, Air Force, New Mexico because all the transfers, new coach as well. They may be like UNLV was last season. So what would surprise you? Do you think they could maybe finish eighth in this conference at all, like surpassing New Mexico and maybe some other team, whoever finishes in that bottom third or fourth? I think it's going to be tough because I think I think New Mexico is better than San Jose State right now and. And they also welcome in a first-year head coach in Paul Ware. Um, I think the best-case scenario for San Jose State is probably probably eighth or ninth, and and that's and that would mean that New Mexico would have to finish higher than them most likely. So I mean they they don't really have a ton of room to grow this season. I wouldn't think, although they do have a couple nice players in there. But I think what would surprise me if they finish if if, if they finished eighth or, or maybe seventh, I, that would probably be surprising to me because I just don't think they have the roster or the continuity to compete with some of the the two through seven teams that we've mentioned on prior podcasts all right so let's get to a schedule really quick because as we always know the schedule in the Mountain West is uh it could be better right it could, that, it could I mean, always be better yeah being, that's being complimentary it could, it could be better so when you look at who they playing and San Jose State like they got like is, so is that Antelope Valley game? Um, is that an official game or is that a scrimmage? That's that would November be the 10th. first game of the season. Yeah, that's their home opener. That is the home opener, Antelope Valley. Over under the attendance in that game. Over under. Give it to me. Oh, it, would it be over uh, two thousand fans? I I'd hope it's over two thousand. I've never heard of Antelope Valley. I'm gonna find. I think it's um. I I want to say there's Antelope Island in my neck of the woods, sort of. I'm taking a quick look. Antelope Valley College. The Antelope Valley is technically, in, if you trust Wikipedia, it's in California. Okay. And if my internet would go any faster, I would let you know exactly where the school is at. Um, 
Uh, oh, server least, down for maintenance. School, so that's that's a, decent. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I go to avc.edu. Servers are down for maintenance at this time. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Uh, Palmdale, California, wherever that is. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm but, not familiar with, with the area or with Antelope Valley, but hey, let's hope Spartans get the home victory in Prelo's first game. But one of the one of the non D1 schools that that peruse are sprinkled on this Mountain West roster are scheduling. Yeah, like Johnson and Wales and Western State. Yeesh. Uh, all right, so like look at the rest. Like I don't care who they play. Like they play Southern Utah, who they um before we got Todd Simon there, the UNL former UNLV assistant. They got St. Mary's, like Bowling Green, I don't, Southern Illinois, that coveted uh, Missouri Valley Challenge. <laughs> right, yeah. Por- Portland's not very good in the West Coast Conference. Like, their schedule's it, it's weak. Would Is this the weakest Mountain West schedule, perhaps? They got a decent St. Mary's, but that's about it. No, it's it's not the weakest. Um, Air, Air, Force? Air Force is definitely the weakest. <laughs> this, I, like the, I like the St. Mary's matchup, and I think people forget that yeah. uh, just how hard San Jose State played St. Mary's last year. I have the box score pulled up because I remember tuning into that game and it was a one possession game for the first about uh, like 30 minutes so and, and that was a nationally ranked St. Mary's team and that was in Moraga too so I was at St. Mary's so uh, San Jose State gets a rare opportunity to play a home game against St. Mary's because they ob- the Gales obviously don't like to travel so that'll be interesting and that'll, <laughs> that'll be Prelo's biggest game of the year I would say um, but the St. Mary's team is better. It's supposed to be better than last year. They're predicted to win the West Coast Conference. Definitely, yeah. They've they've got a good team, so that's a major test for San Jose State. And we're and we're obviously not looking uh, towards Selection Sunday or anything like that. But I mean, it's, it's all it's all baby steps, right? And you want to see which players step up in the bigger games. So St. Mary's is a chance for them. Southern Illinois and, and Denver. I I think Denver's okay. So. I mean, there there are a couple decent chances, and it just don't lose the games to the three hundred level teams, and you should be pretty content with what happens moving forward. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Like, would they? Is that Vegas tournament still around? The Vegas sixteen, might me, me, I mean Vegas eight, whatever they changed it to, or that fold? <laughs> Not that I know of, and that was just a disaster from the start. So I don't, I don't think so. So, would they? Do you think there's um? What's their win total? They're gonna get to ten wins. Could they find ten wins on the schedule? I I think so. Yeah, I would I would think so because if okay, non-conference play they should they should be Antelope Valley, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and Idaho State at home that they should probably be able yeah. to win that game. So I could They probably should probably Southern Utah as well, I'm thinking. Maybe. You, I mean, you would know Southern Utah better than I do, but I think they Man, could probably barely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I know nothing. Hey, about I pulled them, out so. Todd Seidman. Come on, what else do you want from me? <laughs> That's right. So, uh, they could probably win five or six non-conference games, and maybe maybe a couple more, maybe six or seven, and so that would only leave them with having to win four or five league games, and you play eight or nine at home. So, they should be able to get to ten wins, and this team isn't as bad as they were two three years ago when they were losing every game to d1 teams that's that's not going to be the case with with this year's team i think they're um a little bit more talented than they were in the first years of dave wochick so they should i would think they'd be able to etch out at least 10 w's on their schedule all right one more thing because we're lacking for we want to make this long enough for everybody because we know spartans there's not a there's stuff to talk about but let's get to this point real quick i mentioned before and a lot of times 
Home ga- home games are, are crucial. Road victories are tough to come by. If you were to pick out a home game that they could pull an upset on, is it, and I'm I guess I'll give New Mexico credit as an upset, but it's like what's a home game? They say, oh, they're gonna they're gonna get this home victory, or they might upset this team at home because the other team doesn't travel well, or for that particular night. I think. I mean, you have some teams that are a bit shaky on the road, and we've seen that. I mean, we've seen that in a number of recent years because Mountain West teams are notorious for being strong at home. I think this San Jose State team is really going to be focused on rebounding, and and Prelo said that during his introductory press conference that they're really going to crash the boards and, and be aggressive on the boards, which is needed because they don't have a ton of size. So if they are matched up with a team that has a cold shooting night, I'm thinking maybe UNLV if they slip up, and that would be San Jose State's second consecutive year that they beat UNLV if, if that were to happen. Air Force obviously isn't upset. They could win that game. They're not going to beat Nevada. Don't think they'll beat Wyoming. I think that your best chance of pulling off a home upset if we're only talking league play is probably UNLV or Utah State. I think they could catch those two teams on an off night, but the other two te- uh, the other teams that they'll play at home in San Jose State, uh, I think are just too talented and too big um, and too well coached to slip up against San Jose State at this point. Okay, I- that makes sense. There's very few. Like we'll see. Like I don't think like. I guess Utah State would be an upset because of Kobe McElwain, who they have, and maybe New Mexico if they get together. But I don't think it'll be last where they beat San Diego State at home. I don't think that's happening again at all. No, I, I don't either. And I don't necessarily think that they'll beat UNLV either. I know we'll probably have a couple of UNLV listeners that would, would probably take offense to that. I don't. Uh, UNLV, <laughs> UNLV would obviously be favored against San Jose State probably by double digits. Uh, but they're just a team that comes to mind because of their potential shooting woes. And I know SJSU is going to crash the boards this year and, and be aggressive on the glass. So I think if you could find a combination of a team that maybe has a cold shooting night and you have uh, San Jose State really getting after it uh, in, in the painted area, I think that would that could translate to an upset. Hey, we do have some breaking news that will be old by the time you hear this show. Um, Utah State breaking news, uh, Julian Perret. Out four to six weeks with a uh, calf tear. Yikes! That's Utah State's. Their rotation is just getting slimmer by the day. They lost Norbert Janicek to the season-ending foot injury uh, right. just just over a month ago. So that rotation is getting slim. And I guess we'll talk about that on what the next or couple That's couple right. podcasts down. Whatever. Who knows? We'll see. You'll hear eventually. We'll talk about that. There's there's <laughs> there's one other tidbit I want to mention. That's at San Jose State. Uh, news piece that came out last month and uh, I want to be careful because I don't want to assume anything that is not oh, that's right. complete yes. fact um, but the Mercury News did report that uh, former Spartans player Gary Williams Jr. who played for this team as, as recent as a year ago um, sued Dave Wojcik, the head coach for I think five seasons who resigned this summer as well as uh, former assistant coach Tyler O'Jannon, and the reason that he filed a lawsuit was due to uh, discriminatory and homophobic remarks against him and African American players on the team. So I've tried to reach out to a couple people within San Jose State and just just to get additional details and see if there was any ties between this story and 
uh, Dave Wojcik's resignation and have really come up empty, which I don't find too surprising because that's a, not a story that anyone wants to um, publish or go any further on. Mm-hmm. But I think that's definitely interesting, especially because of... Well, it also tells you yeah. one thing too. Hold on. It does tell you something because they don't tell anything because there's... Um, just real quick, kind of aside, mm-hmm. like New Mexico has some issues with the football program potential with uh, Bob Davey. And there's a guy and at um NM Fishbowl, he had a New York Times uh, piece written on him. He's been doing a good job like covering stuff like that. And I've received messages from well two two things. There's similar I guess they're similar, just like player misconduct like, misconduct alleged toward players. Not necessarily the same with the Wojcik, but just n- stuff happening like oh racial slurs or overworking players or st- that, those type of things that shouldn't be happening essentially that's what's going on when they reach for comment they don't give a comment so mm-hmm. there's two things you can see about that way meaning they're not going to comment either because it's le- legally they can't or not going to which they didn't say or sometimes if they don't back the guy that probably means no comment means typically in my experience there's something to the story it could be. It could work a number of ways. Um, either way, it's another black eye for the program that's really dealt with issues both on and off the court the last half, half decade. And they're just a few years removed from not even being eligible for the Mountain West Tournament due to a low APR rate, academic progress mm-hmm. rate, um, because the team's GPA was so low. So that's also a concern. And uh, a total of 16 players have transferred out of the university in the last six mm-hmm. years. So, obviously, you don't want to assume things, but this is an interesting story just based on what the San Jose State program has gone through the last handful of years. And if obviously, if there's any other news that we'll we'll find out, but just with Wojcik's resignation and the other things that have been surrounding this program, I think it's it's an interesting story. And and also just with uh, just just with all the FBI investigations going on and and with uh, the report. And the winter that came out of of Larry Eustachy's potential verbal abuse that was also reported. So, um, I mean, the bad news. Well, is, actually, really yeah, quick, I actually have the article. Well, two things. What I said before, I'm not saying that something happened because there's no comment. That's not insinuating. I'm saying typically, either no comment means there's looking into it, or there's some truth, maybe. Or but sometimes like, oh, there's nothing to see this. But then it can make it look bad. But really quick from the article, I was looking for it while you're talking. Directly from there, head coach named in the lawsuit, Dave Ochik, resigned from, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Following an investigation from the University of the Conduct we mentioned, not clear if it's tied to why he had left, but it goes on to say, however, the university's investigation concluded that Wojcik had sexually harassed players repeatedly by questioning their manhood using derogatory mm-hmm. terms. Mm-hmm. So I guess that it did happen. Is that Does that mean it did happen? It, it, according to Gary Williams, who's a former player that – that filed the yeah. lawsuit, he is saying that it did happen, yes. No, I mean, but the university's investigation concluded that was the case. Yes. Okay, so that, okay. I must have forgot about that. So that did happen, I guess. It it did happen according to the reports, but uh, what I've yeah. just been curious on my own is whether this uh, report had any sort of ties to Wojcik's resignation, which um, it seems like it's only due to personal reasons. And obviously we're going to leave it at that because we don't insinuate anything. We don't assume anything. Mm-hmm. But it's just an interesting story and, and just another black eye for, I guess, Mountain West basketball's overall outlook the last few years, which has just been filled with all sorts of stories of 
of off-court issues and sportsmanship issues and um, all sorts of different things. So it's it's a shame, but hopefully all of that ends up in the most positive way possible and that uh, Jane Prelo can get this program turned around as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing. we'll just say it is coincidental that the day before it came out, then the next day his decision was to leave. Just saying. It, it's... Yeah, but let's just hope it changes because with Eustachy, let's say okay, so assuming everything's correct, like the university said that happened, there's stuff with Larry Eustachy where apparently he has changed his attitude and whatever he was doing during practices, and that has changed for the better. So hopefully, if something did happen like this, it doesn't happen at San Jose anymore. Or any if Wojcik did this, like it seems he did at least, and also, well, we don't we don't need to dive too much into it. Um, it just depends on what's said. Some people take offense to other things more than others which it's fine if, mm-hmm. if hey if you're offended by anything it's not your problem if you offended me you know what i mean whether you think it's oh i'm just joking or it's not it doesn't matter if it makes you feel uncomfortable it makes you feel uncomfortable so but let's just hope all that moves on everywhere all parties involved let's get this we can't end with that can we we gotta change the subject really quick man yeah <laughs> a, I, I, I just wanted poor, to bring it up because it, it was Jeez. it was a story that came out regarding san jose state basketball this this offseason, what was yeah. a really busy offseason for the Spartans, so I, I thought it would be worth it to bring it up. It, it, it is big news on there, So, but it seemed hopefully it's just kind of, like we said, it's uh, moved on and, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, let's go past it. So, Spartans basketball, they are what's your, what's your win total? They're going to get double-digit wins, you think? Are they going to um, any any different postseason tournament? If, if they Let me ask you a better question. If they get invited to, is the CIT the lowest pay-to-play tournament? Yes. Would they accept a bid to that? Oh, if they were offered, I think they would definitely accept it. With a first-year coach and a bunch of young players, I think it would be uh, silly for them not to. Any chance they get invited to that? Um, I I would have to look at the the teams that have played in that tournament in recent years. I I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but I feel like this is a team that's that their season will probably end uh, when they get knocked out in the Mountain West tournament. Don't think it's. I was trying to pull up really quick because there are teams that with losing records that go to this tournament or any tournament um, that get in there. So that's a positive. Like here's the teams really quick who played last year. Um, you had Liberty, Norfolk State, or State. Um, wait, is this the right thing? Yeah. Uh, oh, they have them labeled by brackets. That's weird. Lou Henson Classic, but teams like St. Peter's, Albany, Furman, UT Martin, Asheville, Lamar, Texas State, Weber State. So it's St. Francis, like small teams, Sanford. So most of, most maybe. of those teams that you mentioned, I think, are at least a few steps ahead of what the 2017-2018 San Jose State team will be. You think so? I think so. Yeah, because even more so of, than Norfolk State or Jacksonville. Yeah, I think so because most of those teams were top half in their respective conferences, and even though, um, like you're naming teams from the MEAC or from. Um, America East Conference. I, those were still teams mm-hmm. that could have uh, could have been one win or two wins away from reaching the NCAA tournament uh, from their conference tournament standing. So I and I just don't think San Jose State's at that spot right now. So I wouldn't expect okay. a CIT bid. But if they get a chance to play in the postseason, regardless of what the postseason tournament is, I think they would definitely take it because it's a, it's opportunity to see more minutes for these players. It's an opportunity for Gene Prelo to get a few more games under his belt, and I think that's great for a team that uh, is is consequently rebuilding right now and in hopes to have a brighter future. 
All right, that makes sense. So I just want you. You're the you're the expert here in hoops. So I'm just curious, just asking. About <laughs> I, that. I was curious too because I don't I don't really know that much about the CIT or or who plays in it. But I feel like uh, if you listed all these teams together, I think San Jose State would probably be the odd one out. All right, so that's our show for tonight. We actually stretch this beyond 30 minutes. I'm I'm amazed at ourselves for doing so. <laughs> we because, we find a way uh, to talk. No offense to San Jose State, but when you're finished predicted like the Air Force show, we kind of struggle to find minutes to uh, <laughs> make it at least tw- – our goal is to make these at least 25 minutes for the team preview. So that's our show for tonight or whenever you're listening to this. We're, I'm going to take the weekend of um, November 3rd and 4th to post a lot, of these, a lot of these out there on our new website, MWR.com. Check us out there, Facebook, Mount West Wire, um, Twitter, all that fun stuff, MWC Wire. Any uh, parting shots, Eli? We got. Are we good? Heatcheckcbb.com. That's, That's right. The other place, uh, right. Are we? Are we unanimous on this decision for tenth place, San Jose State Spartans? Yes, okay. tenth place. So yeah, we got to mention that too. I forgot about that. Okay. Thank you. So number ten uh, for San Jose State this year. It sounds like. All right, and that's our show for tonight. Like I said, mwr.com, and uh, yeah, we're always biased against your uh, your team. Yeah, that's it. See ya. <laughs>